and welcome back to Redirected. My name is Andrew East, and this is a show where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, really anybody who has experienced a pivot or change in life. At some point or another, we all go through them, and so I wanted to sit down with people who have made it through these changes well to glean wisdom for myself and share that wisdom with you. We hope to do so in an entertaining, educational, and maybe a little bit inspirational style. And today we sit down with, as part of our Forbes 30 for 30 series, Umama Kibria. And Umama has a really cool story. She is the founder of Sweatpack, which is a platform that connects people to group workouts and sports leagues. And she talks about the importance of accountability in a group setting and how that can help us achieve fitness goals or whatever other goals we're pursuing. Umama has a pretty impressive story where she talks about how her parents uh, were not the biggest fans of what she has been building. And she talks about how she's been able to solve so many problems whether that's being a non-technical co-founder of a software app and the unique challenges that come with that or dealing with her parents' resistance. Uh, she has some good things to share. I'm honored that she joined us. And this is a part of the Forbes 30 for 30 series where we sit down with these young, passionate, um, visionary people. So before we jump into it, if you haven't given the show a rating or subscribe to it, please do so on whatever platform you're listening to. And let's go ahead and jump into this one with Umama Kibria. Umama, thank you so much for joining. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. So excited. Uh, first of all, I got to say the energy that I have seen you uh, portray in all of your interviews today has been so much fun. So I'm just really excited that you were able to bring that on our show. And uh, I love to, to start off just by, if you could lay the foundation for where you came from, essentially the potted version of, of how you got to where you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, I think it all starts with my name. It's a little peculiar to start with. Umama, <laughs> the root of it actually means community. So it's like, it was like my God given purpose to be this community leader that brings people together. And I've always done that in clubs and organizations, but it wasn't until I found fitness after college that I was truly able to figure out okay, this is my way to give back to the world by connecting people, getting them active. Because I know, as you guys know, as athletes, when people learn how to commit to a routine, they become game-changing leaders that disrupt the world. And I know my platform, Sweatpack, and my personal brand, Small and Strong, are all ways to help people get to that mission. I would love for you, this show is all about pivotal moments in people's lives. And, um, I understand that you experienced one shortly after college, uh, kind of a hard time. If you could walk us through that and how that changed your yeah. direction. Of course. Uh, you know, after college, they kind of throw you out into the real world uh, and don't really give you much directions as far as trying to figure out who you are, who your friends are, and what type of work is really fulfilling your purpose. Um, so I found myself Friday night, 10 p.m. here crying in the shower thinking, okay, my life sucks, my boyfriend sucks, my friends suck, and I suck. And I have this moment of thinking, okay, well, this is the reality, but what are you gonna do about it? And so I had this workout guide called BBG, and I was like, all right, you know what? Screw everything else, I'm going to figure out this fitness thing because it is the one thing I have total control over. And then after I figured that out, I'll figure everything else out. So I started doing burpees in my uh, room, 10 p.m. on a Friday night, and I haven't stopped working out since then. But really, it's that athlete mindset I learned that if you learn how to take control 
control of something that is totally in your realm, then you will gain psychological momentum to showcase that at work, in your personal relationships, and then just your future goals. So I've definitely gone through a lot of pivots from um, you know, being kicked out of my family, losing my job, uh, having to go to therapy and all of this, but all those moments of learning how to trust myself and follow through have always shown up for me. What is your athletic background? Uh, none. <laughs> um, oh. I actually played sorority flag football. I'm a mean defensive end, so definitely don't underestimate Beast. me. Small and strong. Uh, 17 sacks in one season. And I just learned that, you know, an athlete is just really anyone that's active and learns how to commit to working with other people. So I definitely didn't have that upbringing, but it wasn't until after college I joined sports leagues. And that's really where I started gaining my athleticism in the gym and on the field. It's funny. So, so you just mentioned a pretty substantial list of difficult things that you would experience in life. I think the, the, um, the scariness of walking into a new phase, especially after college or high school or, or, or whenever you begin your career is absolutely terrifying for a lot of people. I experienced it and I'm curious what do you attribute your ability to not have, let's call it a victim mindset of, oh my gosh, these, this is so difficult and I got kicked out of my family and this happened bad to me. And like the wallowing and the pity, how did you overcome that? Because that's a huge skill and a, and a tremendous quality. Yeah, well, thank you. And it took a lot of down points to recognize this, but my biggest uh, three big things. Number one is self-awareness. Uh, that is one of the key drivers. If you are aware of your actions and can take ownership for them, um, then honestly, we can get through anything. That just comes with resilience and going out and seeking the resources. But that's where the second thing, I'm a Bengali Muslim American, first generation. So I've always had to kind of deal with this mindset of feeling like, I'm very different. I, I stand out within my culture, but I'm always willing to kind of take my no's and turn them into yeses because I've just uh, faced so much adversity. But recognize I'm the only person that's going to control what the future generation is going to look like. But I got to start with me first. And then the third thing is just resiliency and just knowing that I know I can trust myself to get through anything, but it's this skill of fitness and sports that teaches you, you know, you're not going to get a PR every day. Uh, you're going to try to get a high box jump in the middle of a crowded gym and you're going to fall in front of everyone. But it's a matter of, are you going to let them determine whether you're going to continue on or not, or are you going to conquer that box? And I think I've adapted to all three of those skills into every moment of challenge in my life. Where does your energy come from? Is it your parent? Like, is it your mom, your dad? I'm curious how the heck this is so unique. Like it's, it's really fun to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I definitely think it's my superpower. Um, <laughs> I, I have to contribute a lot of pre-workout to that. Uh, yes. Goals. <laughs> I definitely an advocate. And then also just, I say yes to all the right things. So like anything that would kind of bring my energy down, I don't really allow into my life. And if it happens by accident, I'm just like, all right, all right, we got to stop this right now. So I definitely protect my energy. 
Okay, well, wait, tell me about that because that's a really important concept. I've read several books over the past couple months, Essentialism being one of them by Greg McEwen. The One Thing is another. Um, and then The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And they all kind of had the same idea of focus on what you're best qualified for and don't waste your energy, your, your small quantity of energy on things that don't matter. So tell me about your mentality there. Yeah, I think, you know, there's so much literature out there, but I think the most defined one is the hell yes or hell no concept. When Mm. an opportunity comes to you, an idea comes to you, automatically, if it doesn't fall into your hell yes bucket, it should be a hell no, right? Like that's how you set boundaries for yourself as far as what is it things that align with me and what don't bring me fulfillment. Now, I think there's an evolution to that, and not everyone has the luxury of being able to say yes and no so strictly. I think at the beginning, especially if you're like starting a business or starting anything new, we're like building up our portfolio. We're having to say yes to a lot more things. But what I've always kept at the center of all this is if it doesn't fit into one of my values, then that's a no. And for me, my values are around growth, love, and adventure. So I think people should really define what those three values are. And if you can't, in your mind, trick your way into figuring out how it fits into one of those baskets, then it's a no. Did you spend a lot of time forming those values? It's such an easy thing to not put thought into. Yeah, um, I definitely have. My therapist had to actually call me out because I've been overwhelmed so much that she was like, what do you even care about? Like, it sounds like you're doing everything, but you don't stand for anything. And I mean, that was a huge blow to hear, but it really helped me define, okay, anything I do, I want to know that personally I'm growing. Um, I kind of relate this concept to tracking your macros, uh, your carbs, fats, and proteins. It helps you determine what you're going to look like, how strong you get. I think it's important to track your life macros, which are your three values that define who you are and what you want to do. So about 60% of my day, I need to make sure anything I do is growth oriented, business, professionally, relationships, anything like that. But I also have to have 30% of love in my day, right? Like how am I giving back to my community, engaging with my family and friends, showing up in showcasing self-love and then about 10, 15% of my day is adventure. I know I have to have something every day that's new that I'm learning or going for a walk somewhere, whatever, having that adventure element in my life. If I have all three of those things, I know I am a whole person. And even though not everything on my to-do list gets done, I know I feel fulfilled. So my love of activity and exercise and the desire to work out is kind of rooted in my athletic past where it always had like a purpose, like, okay, I got to get stronger so that I can perform better on the field. And I love still the self-imposed suffering, I guess you could call it of, (laughs) of like exercising, right. Where it's like, Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm voluntarily putting myself through pain because I can control it. And I know that like, I'm going to turn up better on the other side. And it's, it's like, it's, I guess it's a, uh, consistent way to humble myself mm-hmm. and, and, and keep me focused in, in some ways. But I'm curious, someone like you who doesn't have the athletic background, you've talked a little bit about this already, but why do you love fitness and exercise and working out? Yeah. I use it as a hack for life. 
Um, I'm that crazy person in the gym that is running around, jumping on everything and like constructing my own exercises. And people are asking, what are you training for? And my answer is I'm training for life. I'm training to be an entrepreneur. What I'm doing here in the gym is exactly a, is transferable into what I'm doing in my work day. I know that I'm constantly going to have challenges. I'm going to have people around me. But if I can activate my blinders, stay focused on my workout, then I know, okay, I can do the same thing at work, right? Like I could, I know competitors are around me, but I have my blinders on and I'm staying focused on finishing out my sets and reps for me. And then the last component of that is psychological momentum. It is the greatest hack to life when we get these, um, uh, the way psychological momentum works, and you may be familiar in sports, it is just this uh, cognitive behavior that is trained from positive or negative events, aka it's kind of like a winning streak. So let's say you mentally get a win in the gym. You're like, yes, I hit that PR. Then you come into your work day and you're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to ask for a raise. Who cares if I get it or not, but I believe in myself now. Then you get the raise. And then you're like, okay, I'm swiping through Tinder or Bumble, whatever. I'm going to go ask that person out on a date. You just get this like momentum of, okay, I, I'm just going to try it out. I'm going to do it. And if I fail, awesome. I tried. And so really I'm just doing it for that hack. Yeah. No, that's such an important concept. I'd love for you to talk about sweat pack and specifically the one thing that I really am impressed with that you've tapped into um, and seem to really heavily emphasize is the community aspect of Sweatpack. So talk to us. Yeah, absolutely. So Sweatpack is an app that connects people to group workouts and sports leagues. Our goal is to help people be active and stay consistent because most people start fitness, but it's a hard time like showing up on a weekly basis. So what we do with Sweatpack is you actually come and join a team. It's like flag football, yoga club, CrossFit, bar, whatever you want. It's that concept that you're signing up with a team of six people for six weeks to know you're going to show up same day, same time, same location, same place. And it's very different from this commitment, lack of commitment mindset we've had in fitness before, where now it's like, okay, we're going to belong to a team. The reason I'm going to show up every week is not only for myself, but because my teammates are going to call me out if I don't show up. So it's that accountability that's kind of built into it but socially too, right? We love being able to work out together and then going out and having a beer afterwards. And it teaches us to have this balance. And that's why Sweatpack is using community to help people fulfill that commitment. Wow, that's so powerful. Uh, and it for sure is my favorite part of, of like my experience in athletics or beyond is, is you get to meet new people and you, you said it in uh, another one of your interviews where it's like this bond that you have either because you hate it or because <laughs> you love the, the working out. And mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's just so powerful. So um, I would love for you to talk about the problems that you encountered while building sweat pack. Uh, I'm sure it was an involved process and it seemed like you were super motivated um, to not let things like developing an app and all the nuances that go into that hold you up? Yeah, thanks for that question. Um, yeah, startup founder life is definitely hard, especially when you are going into st tech startups. 
So I think the initial first challenge I was faced with was being told, no, your idea won't work. Uh, because I uh, first came up with Sweatpack in 2017. It was January 2017. Um, my ex-boyfriend and I made this promise that no matter if we're together or not, we're going to tell each other about our business idea. Uh, and I went to him, I proposed it, and he was like, yeah, there's too much risk involved. It's not going to happen. And I was like, okay, watch me. And so after that, I recognized, okay, maybe it's not quite the time yet. I need to do some work. So I think the first challenge was being able to think, okay, maybe this isn't the time right now in the market, but what can I do in the interim to build up this marketplace concept? So I had to understand, okay, I'm going to build my first startup, which is a marketing agency doing brand management for gyms, studios. But then at the same time, I was hosting events, building up the consumer side of the marketplace, understanding their concerns. So the number one thing was recognizing timing. Two was knowing when to stop. So in 2018, it was like December, I had to recognize, okay, mama, you can't do any more research. The market is ready. You just got to go heads first into this. So all that just like imposter syndrome you get with, I'm not ready yet. The market's not ready. Making excuses. I think I had to get over the imposter syndrome. And then third was being a non-technical founder. I worked with a lot of developers getting quotes over $150,000. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to just build this myself learned visual programming and built a no code app. So I think those are really some of the big challenges, but I think the number four, mo the biggest thing was just how it has an effect on your emotional and mental relationships. My parents didn't know about my business for the longest time. Um, and I had a lot of backlash from my community and from my family uh, where they basically disowned me. And I had to learn that okay, this is the reality. I'm going to have to do this financially by myself and mentally by myself. But I have good friends in my life, I have mentors, advisors, and resources. I'm going to get through this. And my family will come around when it's time. And so that's what happened. It took like a year for them to kind of get it together with me. But uh, thankfully, all those pivots have come together to ultimately bring me to where I am right now. And that separation was because of your concept? Oh, yeah. Wow. How interesting. I mean, it was just the fact that I was uh, an entrepreneur. Um, I was mm. very successful in marketing before this. So they were like, why would you leave your company marketing job for this? Um, and the fact that I was in fitness, there aren't many women that look like me in the fitness industry or technology. So it just was very new to them. But I truly believe that the market needed it. People needed it. So I had to put myself out there instead to make it happen. Wow. I would love to hear what your daily routine is, Umama. Oh, I'm obsessed with my routine. Um, I definitely believe in team eight hours of sleep now. Uh, I track my sleep cycle app uh, and I'm getting this uh, bed called the eight sleep. Oh, so cool. So huge focus on sleep wake up first thing i do is drink water stretch it out uh depending on how much time i have in my morning routine um, i definitely have some form of movement typically it's about an hour workout i do strength training athletic trial um type workouts 
And then um, I divide my day based on my have to, need to, want to list. So things on my have to list are like, these are things that are going to die today if they don't happen. And then my need to list, which are like, okay, these are things that need to happen in the business. So I use that kind of to scale out my day. Um, I typically do like a six to eight hour workday, depending on what our needs are. But I try to have a hard stop at the end of my day and use meals to kind of separate the day. Uh, and then try to finish the night with some Netflixing, some journaling, and then a brain dump so that I don't yeah. sleep with a list of things in my head. That's great. One thing I've noticed uh, about not being able to travel recently is... I've been able to stick more to a routine. So we used to travel, man, I used to travel every week when I was trying out for NFL teams. And then we were traveling on a monthly basis. We'd probably gone for like 10 days out of the month, my wife and I, and you, you kind of forget about how awesome it is to have a routine and how much it does affect productivity and clarity of mind. And, uh, there's so many benefits to it, but what are your goals now, mama? Ooh, I'm a huge proponent for keeping your goals a secret. But oh, okay. as far as I still talk about big level goals as far as like I definitely want to have an impact on a thousand people personally um, at, by the end of this year, whether I've met them, their clients or whatever. Um, I definitely want to get into VC world uh, eventually and help other entrepreneurs scale their businesses and creating a foundation of small and strong women uh, from like a middle school age, high school age, helping them understand how to use movement and entrepreneurship to help them make their dream your life. Would you say you have like an underdog mentality, your small and strong personal brand? Is that what that's kind of about? Oh, or? yes. I love being an underdog. Um, it's just about like whether you're short like me, five feet, don't let anyone stop you. You may be small, but you can be strong in your mindset, your habits, and your community. Wow. Five feet tall is is uh, is pretty tall in my book. My wife is 4'11", oh, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> yes. So you got her there. <laughs> but, uh, Umama, thank you so much for the time. It was a pleasure That's to meet you. Cool. I'm really inspired by you, your energy, and the things you have going on. I love your community-focused uh, approach. And for those listening that want to find out about about Sweatpack and what Umama's up to. We'll link all the information down below, but thanks for the time. Thanks so much, Andrew, and keep crushing it.